somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. Scott Adams, you're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I'm joined by Leonor Kavoda. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. All right. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Rittenhouse case. Uh, it goes to the jury today. You had closing argument arguments yesterday. And um, that was boring. It was actually kind of boring, right? I mean, a lot of long-winded... Uh, Long-winded uh, uh, closing arguments, two and a half hours each. And what what's interesting about it is, I guess for the MSNBC listeners, they weren't quite as bored because they only got to hear the side that they liked. And then they, they didn't get to hear the other side. So they only played the prosecutor's closing arguments. They did not play the defendant's closing arguments about the Black Lives Matter rally that involved, I guess, four white people uh, and no black people. There were, and the, black pe- the white people that were there to riot and protest and burn dumpsters and burn buildings and wield chains and pull, uh, bring guns in the face of the police that were sitting in both sides of the, of the street down the street one way and down the street another. And all of a sudden, the police aren't to blame in this whole thing. All the while I'm listening to these arguments back and forth, left and right, throughout the week, I'm like, where are the police? I mean, Rittenhouse is running for his life. Gets hit with a skateboard and clobbered in the head and then has a Glock pointed at him and of course he defends himself he has a gun and he's running for what what is he running for he's running to the police do you think the police would get out of their armored vehicles do you think the police would actually drive their armored vehicle up watching what's happening 
and just drive it closer to the person that's running for his life? No, they decided to sit right where they were because the mayor or the attorney general this, or, or whatever the liberal leader was that decided to keep everybody to stand down and just kept them there. Because I don't think the police were doing what they wanted to do. I think the police were doing what they were told in order to do. And if they did anything different, they would be fired. So the politicians that were in that town are to blame. I don't even know what color stripe they are in the political spectrum. It screams to me like it's a, a mandate from... We know they have a Democrat governor. And it just screams to me like it was a Democrat policy because it was supporting Black Lives Matter, destruction of the city, a city that's still not recovered from that and probably never will recover from it because nobody's stepping up to build build the, the structures back up. They're still burnt to the ground. And there's still residue from that day. But my first grievance is with the police officers who just stood and watched this murder, this or attempted murder. Because Rittenhouse, <clears throat> much to the chagrin of CBS, who said he murdered two people at a Black Lives Rally movie, m- movement, to put it together to say he murdered, it sounds like he murdered two black people. He actually defended himself, and as a result, two white people were killed, and another white person was injured. And then there's Rittenhouse, a white person who was cleaning graffiti off uh, the walls earlier that day, brought a, uh, found a, uh, an extinguisher and put out the fire to a trash dumpster, uh, was carrying a medical... Uh, kit to help people and when they said he was armed and ready when he was carrying his gun on his left side the prosecutors lied yesterday when they said that that gun was on the ready that he was a he-man he felt all powerful with his gun and he they lied to suggest that the guns aren't left or right. But the idea is that that gun actually shoots out the uh, the, uh, the uh, um, coats, <laughs> the full metal jackets. Jackets. Yeah. The shells, that's the word I was looking for, the gun shells, shoots them out on the right side. So if you shot that gun as a lefty, on the left side of your body, the shells would shoot right out into your face. So it truly was a one a right side right-handed gun for a right-handed shooter who brings the gun up on his right shoulder, and the ejected shells go off on the right. But the prosecutor lied to the jury over and over again. And I will say one thing about this. When I listened to the prosecutors' closing arguments, they did change a lot of their narratives, and that's true. 
And they did push the envelope beyond the pale and were allowed to lie to the jury. I would say that the prosecutors, particularly the assistant prosecutor, they were very zealous, maybe overzealous in what they were attempting to do. Why? Why were they so aggressive and so desperately seeking a guilty verdict and to ruin this kid's life? He's 17. Earlier in the week, I said he was 14. I meant to say he was 17. And also with regard to the gun, the other another misfact that was out there, and I actually asked this question myself, was he was 17 years old and he had a gun. And, there, and some of the media was trying to say that this was illegal. But because he was carrying a rifle, which is legal in the state of Wisconsin for a 17-year-old to carry a rifle, he was not violating any not laws. Not just the media. Not just the media, but the uh, PolitiFacts. The PolitiFacts. They, well, they the, grade your posts well, over that's what on I, Facebook. That's what I was also talking yeah. about. And, and, and during the um, case, the judge said, during the trial, he said, is it legal? And the prosecution said, it is not a short-barreled shotgun or a short-barreled rifle. So, judge, so then the judge said, so either by barrel or by overall length. And he said, correct. And then, so then the judge basically said, all right, then count six is dismissed. Because it was not illegal, him carrying that, but that was misinformation that was out there for a long, long time. Yeah, and if you were to listen to a quick excerpt of um, Morning Joe, Joe Joe Scarborough, another another Republican, by the way. Another Republican that went the other way, yes. But incidentally, speaking of Republicans like Joe Scarborough, uh, Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney, uh, the Oak, the uh, Wyoming state legislature, yeah. voted very narrow margin. I think it was like thirty-one twenty-nine uh, to not recognize her in the GOP caucus. Yeah. So the Wyoming uh, GOP does not recognize uh, uh, Liz Cheney as a Republican or as a conservative, uh, and they voted on that. I don't know what that amounts to, but. I guess she gets no support from that caucus. And it's like an old boys club. So if they go to the well and they try to get financing, but she'll get financing from the left. She'll get financing from big tech because she took one for the team. And so they don't really need the Wyoming money. There's a lot of money in Wyoming. It's a very, uh, per capita, it's a very, very uh, very rich state. You go to Jackson Hall and there's one, you know, it's millionaire row all over the well, place. Well, of course. Uh, but let's take a listen to um, Chucky Scarborough, a Republican, you know, congressman, before he, you know, probably murdered his uh, his his assistant that he was sleeping with in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's another story for another day, but definitely. Um, here we go. Let's take a listen to what Chuck says has to say. See if he's accurate. Lines. He appointed himself. A- if you want to know what's happening in your world, you've got MSNBC to tell you. Watch. Here we have a 17-year-old kid, underage, said he bought an AR-15 because he thought it was cool. He drove across state, had his mother drive him across state lines. He appointed himself a militia member. He goes around and he ends up unloading, what, 60 rounds? Amazing. He's blonde now. Of all the people you could find to comment on a killing, 
It's interesting who they chose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he's a murderer. Yeah, himself. yeah, I know. There's some <laughs> irony there. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of funny. That's that is funny. Um, but here's the thing. He wasn't part of a militia. And not only that, but when they went in to get his phone, yeah, they, the FBI couldn't unlock his phone. They said, hey, will you cooperate? And guess what they, he did? Gave him all the passcodes and said, I cooperate fully. Yeah. Look through my phone. Not one iota of white supremacist mm-hmm. or white supremacy. Not one iota of militia. Or I want to be a part of a militia. I support you know white supremacy of any kind so i'm still looking for this white supremacy stuff in virginia they found some white supremacists and it turned out that they were democratic operatives yeah right right just before the election mccallum's dirty tricks yeah. i remember when gillespie was running against um the current uh governor northam right yeah and northam ran this black truck you know in a commercial with rebel flag and tried to make you know, Gillespie out to be some sort of a, a white supremacist. And people buy all this. At the same time, Northam has a yearbook that has him in blackface right. and in a Ku Klux Klan right. hat. And he won't even admit which one is, uh, is him. Yeah. Because they're in costume. It's bizarre how the media gets away with one-sided, one-sided storytelling. It's fictional. It's 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 dishonest, and you wonder. Okay, ask yourself: Why are they doing it? Why has it? How? Why? What has happened since the days of just reporting the news when journalists actually just, just the did facts? That? Yes. I mean, it's just a news story. How did it become a racist Black Lives Matter BS story? Well, that's a bunch of Marxists are burning things down. That's because there is no such thing as just a news story anymore. Everything now is yeah. some type of vehicle for the social justice warriors. But my takeaway of this is why isn't anybody complaining about the police? You, you saw those armored yeah, trucks at the yeah, east side of the street, yeah. right? Yeah. Down the end of one street, down the end of yeah, the what other. What were they doing? Why couldn't they drive closer? They're in armored vehicles. Yeah. They don't have to shoot back. But certainly, if somebody needs help, yeah. help them. Yeah. A guy got shot, and there is no one there to help them. There's a hospital across the street. The Walgreens, I guess, was boarded up. But uh, apparently, the Rosenblum guy, you know, uh, a thug, a pedophile. Nobody wants to talk about the, the Democrats that are there supporting the Black Lives Matter. And what are they there to do but to burn the street, burn the, the buildings down, set dumpsters on fire, and graffiti the walls? For what? Because it was, I guess it was the, what were they protesting? Was it Floyd? No, no, they were protesting. There was Jacob Black, oh, Jacob okay. Blake, excuse yeah, who me. turned out to be a real thug. Yeah, that's right. They, Jake, they Jacob Blake, yeah, who had it, who, and his death, and they were afraid it was going to turn into another George uh, Floyd scenario. And, now and he, that's why people were out protesting. It, now, this has become cyclical. It starts, now you're going to have more protests regardless of the verdict. It's every time. And, you know, I liked what Bongino had. He got the interview with the Black Lives Matter leader in New York. Yeah. And he asked the guy one straight question. He said, what, what, what would you denounce rioting? 
you know, in the event of um, a, a, a police shooting of a black person or whatever it was, the question, it was something similar to that. And the answer was no. Uh, he, the, he didn't even answer. Yeah. He was like, I'm not going to answer that question. You know, I, I denounced both things. And yet they talk out of both sides of their mouth very much like, like Biden has gotten away with. When you have a complicit media, you could talk out of both sides of your mouth. Like if your Mayork is part of the Biden administration, you could say, you know, hey, uh, we got a secure border. Our border is secure. No, it's not. Just look at the photographs. Look at the statistics. Look at the numbers. The numbers are like double what they were last yeah. October yeah. when Trump was uh, leading this company. It seems like a, an eternity ago because we just can't wait to get Trump back. And we will get him back. There's no doubt about it. If he decides he wants to be the president in 2024, we're going to get him back. The Democrat Party has destroyed themselves, and so has the Democrat media. But nobody's asking the question, why is it that they have 100,000 National whatever the number is, 100,000 National Guard? On the ready in Kenosha, Wisconsin, a small little, quiet little, sleepy town. Why? Why in the world do we have to worry about riots? Because if Rittenhouse is found not guilty today, and I thought that was one of the missteps of the um, defense, they did not order the jury to say, uh, you, uh, you should find him not guilty. They did not say that those words, and I wish they would have said that because the jury needed to hear that, and they didn't hear that. I thought that the prosecutors in some way were more aggressive. They pushed the envelope. They pushed the envelope greater than the defense pushed the envelope. I think the defense has a much better case, but I think the prosecutors lied, cheated, and stole um, their way to this point. So at one in one sense you can say the prosecutors were burning uh with a with a crappy case they they actually made the most of it. Um although they embarrassed themselves on many occasions that's true. But you know like Jason Whitlock said yesterday in his commentary he said I'm not so sure how this is going to go. They were doxing the jurors. They were doxing the jurors. The jurors are going to be under a lot of pressure. Yeah. And it's always one side. One side is going to riot. If Rittenhouse goes and gets fried today, if Rittenhouse gets fried today, because I expected that the jury is going to come back today. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be quick. You down, think? You, yeah, you really think, think it's, it's going, going to be quick? Oh, yeah. And if it is quick, it's probably going to be favorable to Rittenhouse. Right. And if that's the case, then you're going to have a riot. That's what they expect. Why is it that if, you know, the uh, cowards and the thumbsuckers on the left that represent Antifa and Black Lives Matter, little babies that they are, are going to sit there and say, if I don't get my way, I'm going to cry like a baby. I'm going to kick and scream. I'm going to burn things down. And then the stupid police, the stupid liberals... Actually, they run the police. That's accurate. Yeah. 
It's the liberals that are controlling the police actions, telling them to stand down. Remember the first time we heard that, Leonor? Yeah. You I remember. Yeah, I, re- I remember that. You're talking about the Baltimore, Michael Bra- Freddie Gray. Freddie Gray sta- uh, Stephanie with Stephanie Rawlings Blake giving people space to destroy. God, and this anti- I couldn't believe it when I heard that for well, the first time. Yeah. And but the thing is, the anti-police thing, you know, goes back. Well, more, more recently, it goes back to Michael Brown in, in the summer of 2014. But the th- but the thing is, this has to stop because we're we're seeing this over and over again. That when when uh, something happens, people really need the police, and if you've uh, you've turned them away, they're not going to come. You know, if you um, and if you deter people from becoming police officers well, because you make their lives so miserable, well, and well, this has been this new police tactic among liberals, yeah, because they want to defund the police. Now yeah. they want to re- in Chicago they want to refund the police, yeah. So they make all these mistakes. How many pointless murders have there been? Yeah, how many. many lives have been lost? How many uh, lives have been destroyed through uh, just being maimed uh-huh. in New York City alone? The stats have gone in the wrong direction. In Philadelphia, every liberal city across America, uh, the thugs, the Black Lives Matter thugs and their cousins, have all committed crimes as a result of feeling emboldened that the police are feckless and toothless. Yeah. And this is the problem. And already, you know, I was watching Fox and Friends today, and Spokane, Washington is recruiting... Um, police officers from these defund the police cop-hating cities saying, come to Spokane. That's a place where you'll be loved. And uh, why not? You know, why not be a law enforcement agent in a, in a town where you'll be respected? You know, there used to be the a day, it's even in New York, when a cop would walk in and the restaurant manager would bring him a cup of coffee yeah. and give him uh, a bagel and for free. Right. Well, you I know, hope thank you for doing your sh- thank you for keeping us safe. And ch- little children would be taught that, you know, that it was a great service to be a policeman, to be a fireman because you saved other people. Well, one thing on an optimistic note, I hope Eric Adams, the new mayor of New York, a former police officer, does something to help change the image. I, re- I really do. I hope so, too. Let's take a listen to what Tucker Carlson had to say here uh, about uh, um, well, Carlson on the message the prosecution is sending to America about the Black Lives Matter riots. Uh, this is exactly my point. Uh, I thought it was really interesting that the prosecutors were actually calling the Black Lives Matter rioters heroes. And I thought that was, you know, upside down, inside out. And you wonder why the mainstream media is supporting that. But we've talked about this in the past, right? Yeah. We know that these, uh, multi- these uh, mainstream media outlets uh, are benefiting from this. They're benefiting from this, this wokeism. And the reason why they're benefiting from it is because of the corporation's access to slave labor markets, whether it's imported through open borders and refugee pro, uh, uh, refugee pro, um, processes, or like like the nurses that I had, all from Ethiopia or somewhere like that. Um, you know, I can't tell you how it was. Ninety eight percent of the time, I had someone from another country uh, as one of my medical professionals. 
you know, very few Americans, uh, or, or should I say, I mean, there's a lot of foreign Americans, so I don't want them to speak, but, you know, foreigners with an accent, I should say, you know, who weren't born here. Like Kamala Harris grew up in Canada, apparently, right? <laughs> you know, something like that. Um, so let's take a listen to uh, Tucker Carlson here. I just think it's the mainstream media is gaslighting America and up is down, black is white. You know, it's that kind of thing. We've known for more than a year, for example, how Rittenhouse first encountered convicted child rapist Joseph Rosenbaum, the first man he shot. There are multiple witnesses to that. Most of it's on video, actually. Joseph Rosenbaum had just been released from a mental hospital and for some reason decided to join the riot. So first he lit a fire. Then he began to swing a chain like a weapon. When he saw Kyle Rittenhouse, he threatened to kill Kyle Rittenhouse. Then he chased Rittenhouse in a full sprint, cornered him, and then tried to snatch his gun from his hands. It was at that point that Rittenhouse fired. Who wouldn't fire at that point? After shooting Rosenbaum, Rittenhouse tried to turn himself into police, but he couldn't because a mob howling for his death chased him down a city street. One rioter then knocked Kyle Rittenhouse to the ground, another smashed him in the head with a skateboard, and a third rioter drew a loaded pistol, which he was not allowed to have, unlike Kyle Rittenhouse, and pointed it in Kyle Rittenhouse's face. So at no point was Kyle Rittenhouse the aggressor in this sequence of events. Every move he made was defensive. That's not our interpretation of it. That's what came out from prosecutors and witnesses in court. None of these facts are disputed. They all happened. So that's a very tough problem for the prosecution. With facts like those, what exactly do you say? What they said is really interesting. So today, the prosecutor was left trying to argue that convicted child rapist mental patient Joseph Rosenbaum, whose criminal record you can read online and you should just to get a sense of who they're defending here, that this guy had threatened to murder Kyle Rittenhouse in front of witnesses. And yet, actually, he was not a threat to Kyle Rittenhouse. And to prove it, the prosecutor showed this video. Watch. Here's the defendant running in between those parked cars, slowing down, and you can see just how close, or rather how far away, Mr. Rosenbaum was when the defendant shot him. <laughs> no, mean, it was serious. close. You could have seen just how close. I mean, sorry, just how far away it he was. It was very close. Right, yeah. <laughs> so everyone whose eyes were open could actually see it because you just played the tape, Dumbo. Apparently the prosecution is hoping the jury had his eyes closed for that part of the proceedings. The whole thing is ridiculous. And it got more absurd as the day progressed. Watch that prosecutor, Thomas Binger, who's writing these names anyway, explain that if you take steps to defend yourself, you have by definition given up your right to self-defense. They have to convince you that Joseph Rosenbaum was going to take that gun and use it on the defendant because they know you can't claim self-defense against an unarmed man like this. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun. See, now, that's false. Uh, Tucker goes into this yeah. as well. Um, but that's false. Because if a guy has a crowbar, uh, you know, in a, in a um, rage, road rage, yeah. and you have a gun, you could pull the gun out mm-hmm. and give fair warning, hey, don't come any closer. You have a crowbar, I have a gun, you know. Yeah. It happens all the time uh, that an intruder might be armless, but an intruder is an intruder. Um, so there's lots of, you know, most of the cases of gun, you know, of, of a legal gun holder 
you know, using the gun and to, to defend themselves. In many cases, you know, the the person that they end up shooting is unarmed, but nevertheless could kill them. Yeah. And um, you know, it's it's a it's been pointed out several times, many times, that <clears throat> the gun is not the chief source of killing people. It's my hands, my feet, and my arms that kill people. Yeah. Most people are killing with their fists, their feet. Yeah. You know, a boot to the face, you know, a fist oh. to the face. Um, it's done in, in hand-to-hand combat. Well, and ways in which you push people and they fall and other types yeah. of things. There's a lot of ways and in which knife. you can kill a person without a weapon. A knife. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> this, they're also trying to spin this into gun control, gun legislation. And, you know, I hate the fact that they call it the assault rifle. And, you know, AR, you know what that stands for, right, Leonor? Armor Life. Yeah. Armor Life Rifle. It's a brand. Yeah. It's a brand. It's just AR-15. It's, a, it's an Armor Life, or Armor Light, or Armor Light, yeah. Armor Light Rifle. Yeah. And, and uh, people... I, you know, I guess there's a lot of people that don't know that, you know, maybe pretty much on the left. People that are trying to defend their right to bear arms, um, you know, have a different. But, you know, I heard someone say recently, you know, our uh, our amendment, I think it was um, it was actually it was uh, <laughs> we're going to play a couple of clips today of of Joe uh, of Joe. Uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. Mm-hmm. And he's been in Milan and he's been in Switzerland defending civil liberties. And he's defending them against the left. And he's a liberal. I know. Right? And he's, he's talking about green passes when we listen to this uh, later in the show. But it's really amazing to hear Robert Kennedy Jr. You know, basically says we're giving up our rights and he says this very clearly. He says, we've lost our First Amendment, our Second Amendment. Our, no, we've lost our First Amendment, our Third and Fourth Amendments. We've lost our first four amendments. We, we've kept our Second Amendment. But mm-hmm. Beto O'Rourke, who's running for governor in Texas, he's going to go for your guns, right? Yeah. And uh, so is the Democrats across the board. The people in power. And, you know, that's a sad, sad Sad, sad uh, chain of a set, set of affairs there. Um, I want to play something because this is a lead up to what the media is doing to us and what is, the, what, what is happening in America. Uh, we are being violated left and right. Our rights are being taken away. Bobby Kennedy Jr. is going to talk about this uh, in a clip I'm going to run. But regarding the 1619 Project and trying to change the mindset of our children and, cha- and gaslight Americans through our mainstream media and the disinformation that's coming out and the, what, the censorship from the big tech. Uh, all of this is happening at once while they try to put a jab in your arm that doesn't have any impact on whether or not, you know, if you're vaccinated, you could spread this, vi- this, vac- uh, this virus you could spread it 
just as easily as if you're unvaccinated. But they want to try to tell you something different. And speaking of Bobby Kennedy, he, he came under fire from liberals for speaking out against the vaccine in certain situations, particularly for children. Well, here, here's a here's a here's a, uh, a really interesting clip I ran across recently by William Federer. Yeah. And uh, William Federer uh, has a show. And um, and in any case, but take a listen to what William Federer has to say. Well known communist tactic called deconstruction, where you separated people from their past, get them into a new... They always say, the last strain of the virus is going to be communism, right? True. Okay. So he's talking about communism and how you get there. Through where they don't remember where they came from, and then you brainwash them into the future you have planned for them. It's, uh, it's actually a sales technique. So if I was a toothpaste salesman, the first thing I'd do is tell you negative things about the toothpaste you're currently brushing with. You're still brushing with that old stuff. Haven't you read the article? It'll eat the enamel off your teeth and dry out your gums. Ooh, really? You're repulsed by it. Now I have you in a questioning neutral position. You're open-minded. What are all the toothpaste out there? Then I give you my pitch for this brand new tartar-controlled breast freshener enamel-strengthening toothpaste, right? So it's a three-step process, sort of like a drive neutral reverse. It's, it's like a gene replacement therapy for a culture. You take out the old identity and you put in the new. And so they do this in classrooms. They go in and they tell the kids negative things about the founding fathers. They were human. They had faults. They had, you know, 1619 Project, uh, uh, Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States, and all the founders were bad, bad, bad. They had slaves. They took land from Indians. And, ooh, the students are repulsed by them. Now you got the kids in a neutral. They're open-minded. What are all the belief systems out there? Then you give me your pitch for socialism or LGBT or, or Islam. And Europe went through this. Europe went from a thousand years of Catholic cathedrals, Protestant Reformation, and Jewish neighborhoods to a secular French Revolution Europe where free sex, anything goes. And now it's turning into an Islamic assured, mm-hmm. socialist Europe with Mohammed being the number one name for newborns and cathedrals getting set on fire and uh, the government dictating all the kids' careers, right? Um, and, and China went through this way back in the third century BC. It was called the Warring States period. And there are half a dozen kingdoms fighting. One wins, led by Qin Shi Huangdi. And he's considered the first unifier of China. But Qin Shi Huangdi was doing things differently than they had been done for centuries before. And he got tired of being criticized for doing things differently. So he decided to destroy all records of how things were done before. And he burnt tens of thousands of bamboo annal books. And uh, and so this was copied by Mao Zedong in the 1960s. It's called the Cultural Revolution, where he intentionally destroyed thousands of years of Chinese culture. The oldest Buddhist temple in China, he destroyed. The great gates of, gates of Beijing, he destroyed. Why? Uh, they even did white shaming. Anybody that was a doctor, lawyer, teacher that had any education that could be considered Western, they would bring them out into a public you know, arena and cut them on the head and, and shame them. And they had to confess that they were part of the evil Western system. And um, But the idea was that you had this mass of uneducated young people that you could more easily brainwash into the People's Republic of China. Uh, Pol Pot did the same thing in Cambodia. He made 1975 the New Year Zero said anything prior to that was irrelevant and he 
killed anybody that wore glasses. He said, if you wore glasses, you could read. If you read, you knew the history. He killed a third of his country, like two or three million people. And, and Islam, Sharia Islam does this. When they come into a country, they destroy history. Uh, you know, they're uh, Caliph Umar's men uh, conquered Alexandria, Egypt, around 642 A.D. And his men said, well, what do we do with this library in Alexandria that was the oldest library in the world? And his response reportedly was, every book that does not agree with the Quran destroyed. And every book that does agree with, with the Quran is redundant because we already have the Quran. So destroy them all. It took six months to, to burn them all. And then in 832 AD, there was a sultan in Egypt and he noticed these pyramids with tunnels that went to a stone wall. And he goes, nobody builds a tunnel to a stone wall. So he had his men set a fire in front of that stone kept it burning really hot for weeks and then it weakened the stone they cracked through found all this gold and they proceeded to trash every one of the pyramids that they could find and, uh, but then when they invaded into Europe they destroyed churches and artwork and museums and libraries and schools and renamed everything with Islamic names and, and then the French Revolution did this right so you had uh, their reign of terror and they tear down statues like the statue of good King Henry IV, who in the 1500s tried to patch up Protestants and Catholics, they tore his statue down. And the grave of St. Genevieve. Uh, I mean, here in 450 AD, she got Paris to fast and pray, and Attila the Hun skipped sacking Paris, so she's considered the patron saint of Paris. During the French Revolution, they dug up her bones and trashed them. And so it's this idea that when you want to do something new and there is no god or there is a you know sharia god or whatever it is um there's this idea that true history what's what's the need to maintain true history if you can alter history to advance your political agenda go for it right mm -hmm. and um and so you know as i mentioned islam if they it's sort of you know standard now if um uh, you know, they discover some little artifact that shows that Israel may actually have had a temple in Jerusalem. Um, the Islamic uh, response is what? Destroy the artifact. <laughs> Build on top. You know? Yeah, so you see, you know, that's, uh, you know, I think it's an interesting point that he makes. And you compare it to what's happening today. And it's basically the blueprint on how you rewrite history uh, to gain uh, to gain ground with your you know with your contemporary situation with your current situation um, so I find that very interesting uh, what were your thoughts on on that do you see don't you see that happening before your eyes no I agree with right you completely now? yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah no I agree with what you're saying you know about the eradication of history and everything I do and? <laughs> well, and I mean, you know, it's like we talk about this all the time. Uh, we talk about every attempt to get rid of our culture. Um, this happens a lot, particularly as the holidays happen, where we try to, you know. Oh, Christmas. Well, Christmas and also Thanksgiving. I mean, you would know this as a Native American. They're now trying to, you know, they've been for years trying to criticize Thanksgiving and say it's a bloody holiday. It's not something to be celebrated. The real event wasn't actually a hallmark event, you know. Uh, well, People were massacred.
massacre. This, the, you know, yeah, there was some food sharing, but it wasn't quite the way you, they like to show it. And the bastardizing of Jefferson in Washington. Yeah, and all, all, all of this happens. Yeah, uh, you don't know. See, the thing is, nobody's perfect. Nobody will ever be perfect. Nobody will ever be perfect. And our history, the way our history is told, is that there is the good, the bad, and the ugly, to quote the Clint Eastwood movie. And you have to tell all the... Sergio Leone. Yeah. Well, it wasn't Clint Clint Eastwood in that? Yeah. Okay. So so I was going to say, so that movie, um, the Sergio Leone movie starring Clint Eastwood, um, (laughs) the good, the the bad, the ugly. When I worked at Chase, we used to to show customer service uh, um, situations. We used to call them the good, the bad, and the ugly at these quarterly meetings. So so that that expression is very much in our... uh, in our vernacular but what i was going to say is we you you need to tell the whole story you can't whitewash a story to tell something that didn't exist you can't make it worse than it was you can't make it better than it was it has to be everything it has to be the whole rainbow of experience yeah well this is where they're going to take us so let's listen to christine lagarde she's the president of the european central bank yes and we have to anticipate and by that i mean we have to vaccinate. This is what she says. In addition to supporting the recovery, we have to anticipate. And by that, I mean, we have to vaccinate. Because if we don't vaccinate around the world, as we should, it will come back to haunt us and it will come back to hurt us. So vaccination around the world is the best way to anticipate what could come back in the form of new variants, in the form of additional contagion. To do that, the world needs to be a little bit more generous. And in being generous, it will be self-serving its own interest. So as, as you know well... So she's basically saying there, the world has to comply to our way of thinking uh, because we don't want to fight with you. Uh, we don't want to ruin your life. We don't want to turn our military on you. Uh, let's just try to be compliant, and everything's going to be okay, so long as we're in charge. I am baffled by the fact that uh, the entire global community cannot put together $50 billion in order to address vaccination in those countries of the world where only 2% of the population is vaccinated. By that, I mean the low-income countries. We have spent in fiscal support $6,000 billion. Now, she's the president of the European Central Bank, and she has the nerve to say $6,000 billion. Uh, These people are not that bright. Well, well, $6,000 billion. What is needed is 1% of that. You're in banking. The six. Is there even billion? such a thing as six thousand billion dollars? No, I don't. Not, I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's a real number. I think but that's six thousand billion but, might but, be six but, trillion. But you know, getting know. away from the numbers for a moment, I think the you know the larger issue once again is you're getting virtue signaling happening. People telling you what you need to do. And we played this one. I think we played this. Yeah, no, we're going to play uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. The Green Pass. So this is another place where he's going. Now he's. He's hard to understand because he has a, a vocal problem. Um, but let's take a listen to Robert Kennedy Jr. He is in, I believe it's uh, Milan, right? Yeah, he's in Milan. 
Where you and I have been. Yes, we've we're been in to Milan. Milan. Okay, nice city. And all of these rights that were taken away from us, these governments said it was temporary, it was only two weeks, it would be over. In truth, you can all see what's happening. They are taking those rights and they will never give them back unless we make them. And the Green Pass is their coup d'etat. The Green Pass is how they consolidate their power over your lives. And that's what I've been saying. I want to continue with this. But climate change has been, that's, that's their tool. That was their weapon of choice yes. up until COVID. Right. COVID was a dream come true for these monsters from these tyrants. And never comply with these people. Never comply because they don't have your best interest at heart. Uh, watch what he says. Something I've been saying for a long time, long time, about social vaccine passports and social credit score systems. He doesn't use the exact phraseology, but you're going to hear uh, him talk about this very same thing uh, in, di in different words. But listen. The Green Pass is, is not a public health measure. It is a tool for totalitarian control of your transportation, your bank account, your movements, every aspect of your life. And this is not a new idea. This is the same idea that they used in Germany in 1937. They issued a pass for people that they wanted to control. And when the South African apartheid government wanted to control the black population of South Africa, what was the most important thing they did? They issued a green pass. And I want you to ask all the people in the journalists and press who are here today, if the green pass is about public health, why is it being issued not by the health ministry? by the financial ministry. Do they think that we are stupid? Because this is a way to control your money. That's exactly what they're doing. And the social credit score system, folks, like I said in time and time again, like you take, you take Twitch, for example. Twitch made an announcement year and a half ago and they said that even things you say if you say something that they deem hateful like suppose you gave a speech in Albuquerque talking about how much you love Trump and how much you love American first values and how much you think that uh, border security and a strong military are valuable assets for a country like America. And you were to state those things and you were to denounce critical race theory and you were to talk about 
liberties in smaller government, civil liberties, gun rights, they would deem those as violent and antagonistic to the state. And they would deplatform you. And Twitch made an announcement that said, not only what you do on our network can we deplatform you, but we could also deplatform you off of our network. What what you do off of your network. And then Jen Psaki said that if you're deplatformed on one network, you should be deplatformed on all networks. Now this well, how's was all, that for a broad sweeping generalization. Yeah, you her saying that, right? Yeah. I mean, I, this is all facts. This is 1984, and here's the problem with that. Twitch is owned by Amazon. So what if you decide, you know, I don't like Bezos, but I want the Prime account. I want the overnight delivery for free, and, you know, and I, I want to watch the movies on Prime, and, you know, there's a Whole Foods down the street that's convenient even though I don't like Whole Foods. How about I um, buy books on a Kindle, which yeah. I do all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, I, w- I want to go to Whole Foods, and I'm a, I got a basket full of groceries, and I check out, and I show them my code, and lo and behold, they say, you can't buy from our store. You've been deplatformed from Twitch, which means you can't buy from our store, which means you can't have a Prime account, which means you can't watch our movies, which means you can't get the overnight delivery, which means you can't even shop on Amazon. So if you need that overnight product, you can't get it. That food for your children, you can't buy it. Well, this is similar to and people getting deplatformed from credit cards. That's right. And that's the next step. <clears throat> is already, you know, the insurance companies might say, well, your behavior online, and I think they're already doing this in some part, that your online behavior may, deems you a risk. You seem to be a off-the-handle kind of extreme person, and we deem that as a high-risk individual. So you want car insurance? Yeah, we'll give it to you, but it's going to cost you three times as much. You want home insurance, and it's going to cost you that much. And so on and so forth. Life insurance. We think you're a risk. We think you're crazy. And it takes it right down to the bank credits. You want a loan. Well, I don't know. You're a risk. You seem to be thinking not like the others. So, And how's that going to fly with innovation? So say the globalists get all their ways... They achieve their objectives and they get everything that they want because of the pressures and the, the, the hammer that they have. The big government hammer and their nuclear weapons and their uh, controls and their ability to send you to jail. Like what's happening in Australia? These tough Aussies are being treated like mice. Like the globalists who take the refugees off the battlefields they're turning Taliban in Wisconsin into livery drivers and Uber drivers. And soon they're going to control them like mice in an experiment. It's something that Dr. Fauci would be proud of. Called a beagle. 
But the idea is is that they're controlling people in every way, shape, and form. And that's where they actually then got you. They got, they got control of your, you know, do you denounce Trump? Uh. We heard Marjorie Taylor Greene say that the people that were being captive, held in prison in D.C. for the January 6th event, the infiltration, not an insurrection, but the FBI infiltration, and they were said, they were told that we were told we have to denounce Trump and maybe we'll get some, some free time outside. What, what does that remind you of? I mean, there were all these Hitler. things. That, yeah. I mean, that's all it is. Is, is. Rather than being taken to the gas chamber, you're being taken to a vaccination clinic. Well, and what, and you know, when you're asked to denounce things and when you're, you know, you're using the vaccination clinic as an example, I mean, those people were completely stripped. I mean, besides the obvious fact that so many people were massacred, they were completely stripped of their dignity while they were still alive, you know, physically and in every other way. And that's what's being done in some yeah. ways when you're reducing yeah. people down to, you know, down, down to yeah. a dictatum. Absolutely. All right, before we head out of Dodge, because we're running toward the end of our show, <clears throat> I want to say one thing about Bannon. Okay, so we got arrested. Yeah. Well, he got indicted, right? Yeah. And taken in for, to be, I think it was arrest. Um, you know, a lot of people are talking about that, like, ah, they're picking on us. But they got him dead to rights because Cash Patel said this. He said, all roads lead back to McCabe. Yeah. Now, they already got Dushenko. They already got Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, who I've talked about for a long time. And they got this. And I think that if he asks for a lot of discovery, he can, he can uh, require that the FBI reveal information they don't want to reveal. Yeah. They could lead straight up to the, the chain of command to McCabe, who was Priestap's boss, who was Strzok's boss, who was... Who is, uh, Lisa, what's her name? Lisa Page. Lisa Page's boss, and so on and so forth. So that will prove to be very, very interesting. And I think Bannon has a few tricks up his sleeve. Don't be surprised if Discovery puts the deep state into a bad situation. That'll be interesting to see. We're out of time today. Thank you all for listening to The Scott Adams Show. My name is Scott Adams. My name is Leonora Corvetta. And we'll see you all next time on the radio. Bye-bye. I'm from a small town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to their knees.